Good morning. Thank you for joining us for worship here. Um, it's a little bit different this Sunday as we're not actually meeting in person. I was uh, caring for a church member earlier in the week who was later diagnosed with COVID. And in order to be safe, we felt it would be best if we uh, chose not to meet in person, but instead we continued on with our online and on-air uh, broadcasting of the sermon. But we have a few announcements that I want to go over and I want to share with everybody as we get started, as we would normally do if we were meeting in person. Um, so we started a new ministry at the church where each day during the week from 9 to 2, our chapel is open where people can come in and spend time in prayer uh, for different things and then also uh, be led in prayer through different areas of the ministry of the church um, and have somebody pray for them. So uh, we encourage all of our church members to come and take part in that. And as always, if you need uh, prayer for anything, please stop by the church, um, you know, and we would be glad to spend time in prayer with you and to just share with you. Um, but another thing that we really like to talk about is that, we you know, we have plenty of options to help out uh, to be the hands and feet of Christ, especially during this time of year. And I know that people aren't in need more this time of year than any other time of year. Um, but we have several options, uh, such as the Good Shepherd Center. We have the Cherry Valley Food Pantry and then also the Hickory Ridge Food Pantry. And all of these places are wonderful options in order to help our neighbors and help families that are in need, uh, not only, as I said, this time of year, but as all the other time of year. So we want people to uh, take advantage of that. Would you join me in prayer as we begin this morning? Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to gather and hear your word spoken. Even though we're not in person, God, we know that your presence is with us, and we know that when we join in spirit, uh, that you hear our prayers, that you hear our worship unto you. And so we ask that even though we are not together and though we are in different places, God, that our hearts would be united for the purpose of glorifying you, for seeing your son, Jesus Christ, lifted up in the hearts of people that have been redeemed and, and shine as a light for the rest of the world. So God, please consider our acts this morning as worship unto you. And we pray all these things in your precious holy name. Amen.
Most gracious Heavenly Father, we ask now that as we open your word, you would open our hearts to hear the words of life that you have spoken to us. God, to help us understand the way that through your Son, Jesus Christ, you redeemed us from our brokenness, from our eternity of separation and condemnation. God, you restored us to freedom in you. We proud these things in your name. Amen. So we're in the middle of a study now uh, talking about faith. We just finished up with Advent where we shared about what it means to almost experience the things of Christmas, the faith, hope, love, and joy that the birth of Jesus came to bring possible. And it was all based off John Wesley's sermon of being an almost Christian, saying that it's easy to live the life of a Christian but never truly experience that life in the fullness because we fail to live it in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and that conversion that is brought possible. So we're kind of continuing on with that theme of living as an almost Christian to understand what we do when we talk about faith. And we're basing this whole conversation off of a passage from Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, where it says a person reaps what they sow both in their life and in their heart. And obviously that's a paraphrase of the passage of Scripture, and I encourage you to go and check out those Scriptures and even memorize them. But we want to think about our faith in those terms as in uh, what we sow in our faith life is what we will reap uh, in our life, both physically and day to day, but also in our heart. Uh, where the uh, whisperings of our person are, where our understandings, who we are when people aren't around and people can't know what's going on inside our head. How we live our life in faith and how we understand our faith uh, will determine how all of those things are affected. So to recap of last week, um, we looked at the passages from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and I'll read those real quick and then we'll talk about a, a little bit of what we shared last week. So Ephesians chapter 2, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the one who is the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, so rich in His mercy, He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us new life when He raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that we have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that He has done for us for those who are united with Christ Jesus. So God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this because it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so nobody can boast about it. But we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that He planned for us even long ago. So recapping on last week, um, because of our very nature of who we are born into a sinful world, and we understand that um, through the work of Adam, sin entered in through creation. And in this part, what we are learning is that through the work of Jesus Christ, um, God is going to make all things new and God is going to redeem what sin has broken. But because of our very nature, we're inclined to a selfish way of thinking. And we have defined evil very many times and we've defined sin very many times. It's not something that is malicious or is out in violence to get somebody else, but it's when we place ourselves as the number one priority and the number one purpose for being and existing. 
But from our very nature, we're inclined to these selfish ambitions and following our own desires. And by our very sinful nature, we're unable to recognize God, the one who created us and intended us for community to experience his goodness and blessings. We're not able to even recognize that uh, apart from the things of God. And so, therefore, we're influenced by the world. And as Paul would say here, the one who commands the unseen powers of the air, which he defines as Satan. Uh, God gave all control over the things of the world uh, to Satan. And through Jesus Christ is coming to redeem the things that, that have been broken by the effects of sin and the power and influence of Satan. Uh, but there's no human virtue that is worthy of God. I shared with us last week, you know, that from the highest heights of, of humanity even to the lowest lows, there's no virtue of humanity on their own uh, that doesn't show or doesn't uh, give example of this sinful nature. And according to the sinfulness, as Paul says, we're dead. Even if by the world's standards we're considered as live, you know, you and I each day see ourselves breathing and eating and drinking and we go to bed planning to wake up the next day and we consider ourselves alive. But what Paul says is in light of how we were created and for the purposes which God intended us, we're dead. By all sense of who God wanted us to be, we are not experiencing the life that we were intended to. But if we say we're followers of Christ, and yet we do so only out of an expectation of a personal gain, we do it for influence uh, or for um, you know, a place of affirmation or something like that, uh, Paul warns the believer that you're still going to wind up with the same sadness of a life that focuses on the ways that the world understands and receives. Of course, we know that the only payout that the world and the things of the world has is death. Um, but through the birth of Christ, what we just celebrated at this Christmas Advent season, in the birth of Christ, we see that God's love and mercy has been shown for us and that through Him, we have the opportunity to be saved from death, both in our presence here and in the living, but for all eternity because God had intended us uh, in view of eternity. And even though we're completely unable to do anything about our situation because of our sinfulness, um, even though still on our own we're incapable of living uh, even according to how the Word of God tells us to do, um, God has planned something for us through the birth of Christ uh, and giving us a new life. And that in this life with Jesus, we're free from the, the penalty of sin and our lives become where we're no longer influenced as much through the influence of Satan, but instead our spirit begins to understand and recognize the working of God and our natural influence begins to be um, given through the power of Jesus Christ and through the working of Jesus Christ. And so what we see through all throughout the life of this believer is that where the things of the world and the influence of Satan used to command and control them, as they grow in their understanding and as they grow in the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus Christ and it's the Word of God that begins to command their life and influence who they are and the things that they do. So not only is Christ the one that uh, begins to influence our life, uh, but through his atonement of our transgressions, through his taking our place of judgment, he unites us 
with himself and with God the Father. That's where Paul really wants to focus on in this passage of Scripture is that through the work of Jesus Christ, not only are we saved and atoned from our sins uh, to save us from an eternal uh, condemnation and an eternal separation from God and all things good of God, but he says that he unites us with himself and with God as our Father. So Jesus does all of these things for our good uh, out of nothing more and nothing less than his great love for us. It's because he planned on us to experience his goodness, to lavish his goodness on us, and sin took that away. So because of that love, he comes and he takes our place and he takes our judgment of sin away from us. And so we know that from before the very foundations of the world that God declared his love for all humanity and his plan to reclaim and redeem it uh, when sin had broken it and taken it apart. And we read that in places such as Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then, of course, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And we know that this work was done in us so that through God working and through God redeeming our brokenness and restoring our image to be that of our Creator, what we were originally created to be, the rest of the world is able to see the evidence of God. And through His grace and kindness, others see that and they become able to recognize and experience and know uh, the presence of Jesus Christ. So they begin to experience uh, the leaning of salvation and realizing that they were once headed towards sin and death and separation. But then also that Christ comes to give life not only for eternity, but life abundant uh, in our physical world now. And this all comes through being united with Christ. But through this realization and belief what God has done, our faith is established within us as we begin to see God's working. We begin to recognize God's spirit, how it aligns with the innermost parts of our spirit. And we become united with Christ. And Paul says we, this happens not because we realized it out of our own wealth or knowledge. He says even the smartest person on their best day is ignorant and completely useless compared to the wisdom of God. And it's definitely not because we've earned it, because as sinful creatures, there's nothing we could do uh, to earn something good and as holy as God. And it's obviously also not because we're capable of living up to it. You know, even those that have become believers don't uh, cease to struggle with sin after their salvation. But instead, what they do is they realize the things that God has called sin and the things that God has said will separate them from the life, from the purpose from the eternity that they were created to experience. So all of these things that Christ does is completely out of God's love for us when our sin has been atoned for and we've been forgiven and offered a new life with Christ Jesus. So it's through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we're able to experience the fullness of God's love and understand what abundant life actually is. So that's a recap of last week and where we talked about there's an influence always in our lives and we need to be careful that that influence is what it is supposed to be through the work of Jesus, through the word of God, through the influence of the Holy Spirit that aligns with God's scripture, does not go against the words of, of, of God's word. Um, or it's going to be Satan. It's going to be the powers of the world. It's going to be the things that play to our selfish desires, our selfish insecurities and things like that. 
And what we're going to focus on today is how the reality of it is, is that the devil, the one who controls the unseen powers of the air, does not want us to experience God's goodness. He doesn't want us to be able to understand the identity that we are supposed to have in Christ because he doesn't want us to serve as that example. He doesn't want us to be the light of Christ that shines in the darkness. He does not want us to be the hands and feet of Christ that goes to heal the brokenness and to redeem the lost because if that happens, other people would come to know Jesus and the influence that he would have over God's creation would begin to diminish. He doesn't want people to discover the good things that have been made possible from a life that comes as being surrendered to Jesus. It's through the work of Jesus Christ, not only does the influence of Satan become weaker in the life of a person, but it also loses grounds in the lives of all those who are affected or influenced by that person. So it's not only me or you whose uh, Satan's influence is becoming less and less on, but the people around us as we live with God's values, as we live with kingdom values and live according to the word that God our creator has established for us, then naturally God's creation around us feels the presence and understands the presence and the true life-giving nature that comes from the things of God. So in order for Satan to maintain whatever control he can, he appeals to our natural inclinations uh, in the areas that Christ is working in our lives to change who we once were because of sin. Satan tries to lull us into a shallow or a worldly standard um, adequacy of understanding what it means to be faithful and what it means to have a life in Christ uh, in what we say and what we do and also what we believe in our hearts. And so with this, uh, what Satan tries to lead us to is a shallow understanding of a victory over sin. You know, uh, through the giving of the Holy Spirit, victory over sin is not only the realization that something is sinful, but it's through the working of God's grace that that sin actually becomes less and less evident and less and less desirable in our lives. Um, and then also, uh, Satan tries to establish within our hearts a total misunderstanding of what an example of Jesus is. You know, Satan would want us to believe that as long as we're a good person, that's the only example of Jesus Christ that we need. Well, that's not true because we know that if all we needed to be was good people, there would be no sense in Jesus coming to give his life. But there was something in sin that transgressed the holiness of God that earned death, that only paid out in death in such a way that it was necessary for God to take the form of his son to come down and through the full humanity of hum, uh, for the through the full life of humanity uh, do something on our behalf that appeased sin and the consequence of it but satan through attacking the weaker areas of our lives chips away at faith chips away at an understanding of what a redeemed life is and gives us a false sense of living uh, and so that we choose to live our life of faith, we choose to live this life that we claim Christ has redeemed um, according to the world's standards. We're not even living according to God's words, but we're living according to the way that the world says that we should live. And we have already established who controls all the things of the world and the power and influence that the world has. So we talked a little bit last week about how faith is designed and defined as the working of God's grace in our lives. And that through the sacrifice of Jesus redeeming the things in us that have been broken or twisted by sin's influence, 
we are able to understand and we are able to recognize and realize and come to know God's character and his desire for us. Some of the examples of faith is in our unbelief, the things when we hear about God that we can't believe. As our faith grows, we begin to believe those things and know those things to be true because of what we know about God's character. Sinful habits, again, we talked about that just a little bit already. Uh, the things that we do once we uh, learn in God's word, that those are not the things that God created for us to give us life. As our faith grows, those habits become less and less. The selfish mindset that is natural to us as we realize what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, our mindset becomes one where we realize that through the giving of ourselves, other people can experience freedom, can experience hope and joy and salvation. So faith is something that is totally 100% given by God. It's not something that we're capable of producing for ourselves. It is a work of God within us. And it's something that is unable to be done through our sinful being apart from the working of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus said himself in John 6, that it is through him alone that people are drawn to himself and drawn to God the Father. So it's not something that you and I could do on our own because we've realized it out of our own um, ability and our own cognizance. It is something that the Holy Spirit and God our Creator establishes within us. So faith is evidence of God's working in our lives and establishing himself where he is rightfully supposed to be. But using this, Satan keeps us thinking that God is working in our lives um, the whole time, uh, keeping us from spending time in the Word of God where we learn about God's character, where we learn about who God is and how God works. Um, and Satan keeps us to where we don't spend time in prayer, where Jesus even said that is one of the most important things that we have in our lives, to be able to hear God, to be able to be quiet and drown out the noises and the chaos of the world, to uh, center ourselves and to focus on the work of God in our lives and communicate with God through prayer. Um, and so we live our lives caught up instead in the cultural rat race. Instead of trying to live up according to the Word of God, we try to live up to our social media expectations of what it means to believe, be a believer or uh, what it, it looks like to be a believer according to the other people that we heard speaking. Instead, we don't go to the true source, which is the Word of God. And so through all these things, Satan is able to maintain the control over our lives uh, and keep us content on believing that we are connected with God, but yet the whole time we never truly experience the life that Jesus came to bring to us. Francis Chan, a great Christian author and speaker, made a statement one time. He said that lukewarm cultural Christians do not really want to be saved from sin. They only want to be saved from the penalty of their sin. And I don't know if there could be a more appropriate statement to sum up what Paul is saying here is that with this life in Christ, it's not just about forgiveness of sins. It's not just about avoiding uh, the fiery pits of hell. It's not just about taking care of eternity, but it is something that Jesus Christ has come to do now, has come to establish now in the presence, and has come for you to experience and to grow and to experience. Experience the fullness of God now. But because of the cultural world, because of our selfishness, and because of our natural inclinations to look good for others, to do what other peoples expect, we try to maintain an independence from God because everything is about who we are as a number one person. And anybody that has influence over our lives is not good for us. 
But when we try to maintain independence from God in our lives, we live under this false confession of being born again. For a Christian, you cannot live independent from God's influence every day of your life because there's no actual experience of newness that Christ came in to give that influence. And your life is still affected and influenced from the ruler of the air, the one who we defined last week as the host of the living dead. But with Christ, the presence of God is meant to be felt, is meant to be experienced even in the middle of a broken and sinful creation. But we must operate from a place of faith, because if God is not working to satisfy and God is not working to become the person uh, that establishes himself in our lives, uh, then we continue to be blind to the things of God if we don't allow his spirit to go in and influence us. So through this, what we see is people claiming to be the image of Christ, but truly failing to be the image of a life-giving Christ. Instead of being the actual life that leads to eternity, the life that brings freedom from sin, from shame, from brokenness, we set on people another list of expectations that they can't live up to. We set on other people an image of something that they have no hope of ever being. But in verse 7, Paul says something. He says it again in verse 6. He says, that you are united with Christ Jesus. And that is a point that we have to look at and we have to understand is a strong thing about what the life of Christ came to do, that we are united with Christ Jesus. Um, understanding this in terms regarding someone as being a faith uh, doesn't capture what Paul is saying in this passage. He's not saying that people who claim to be a faith get all these things and people who claim to be followers of Jesus will receive all these things. What he says is that through Jesus we came to be made as one with the Son of God. So understanding this statement would be better to hear Paul saying that we have become as one with Jesus Christ. So if we are one with Jesus Christ, we are no longer our own. We are no longer functioning through our fallible, sinful senses and understandings, but instead all that we do and all that we identify with are on who Christ Jesus is as the Son of God and what he has come to do through his life, his death, and resurrection on our behalf. So this life that Jesus gives uh, was meant to be for a person of saving faith much more than a verbal statement or a nominal outward action, but instead it involved a total redefining of the individual to become a new creation mentally, spiritually, and lastly through their physical response. And this response came not as something to earn or not something as to prove, but as something that naturally comes as a result of what has happened on the inside of a being. So what Paul is saying is we once all operated from death. Uh, we knew that in the end of life on this earth, death was waiting for us. But because of this oneness with Christ, being united with Christ, we've been restored to an eternity that God originally planned and intended for us. And he says we've been raised to new life. We've been seated with Christ on the throne and that Christ has made us one with him in regards of God's kingdom. 
So in this transaction, Paul makes it clear to say that we, we no longer belong to the world. The world is no longer our identity. We cannot afford to live according to the things that the world says is good, the world says is right, because we know that those things don't give us life. They don't deliver life. But if Satan can keep us mixed up about our identity, just as we were before Christ, then we're never going to understand this fullness. We would never be able to conceive this life of Christ, and so therefore we would continue to suffer. Within ourselves, we would begin to struggle, or we would continue to struggle with anxiety and doubt and shame. And with that, we would have these confused, shallow, uh, unfruitful ideas of what hope is, of what who we are as God's people, people who are meant to live a life of torment and struggle in the midst of brokenness. Uh, but then also, why we are, why would God create us if this is all we were t uh, to live? And if Satan can keep us thinking on those things, we never fully experience the thing of Christ. But what I want to ask you today is if you are a person who says that you are of faith or you are somebody who has an established walk with Jesus Christ, and if Jesus Christ has given you this invitation to be sin from, saved from your sin situation uh, where you're no longer influenced by the world, um, is your life still resulting in those things? Uh, when you think about uh, your life, are you still uh, receiving what the world says you're supposed to receive? Because we know that Jesus comes to give life in the midst of death. Jesus comes to give hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus comes to give peace when everything around us is blowing up. But if we're living in that false identity, if we're living, uh, trying to live a life uh with Christ, but not united with Christ, then we know that we are only going to receive the things that the world provides. Have we realized that because of Christ, we've been offered a new way of being, a new personality, not only for eternity, because we always try to focus these things on eternity, but Paul says it, and Jesus says it, that that hope that is waiting for eternity can be experienced now. That freedom that we are promised for all eternity can be experienced now. And that's what Satan does not want us to know. So I want to challenge you to think about this. Have you set in your heart the things that Jesus Christ has made possible for eternity to be your identity each and every day as you live this life now? Do you experience the freedom? Do you experience God's goodness and love that comes as a result of letting Jesus Christ and the Word of God be your influence? Do you realize the extent of what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf so that you can truly benefit from this new life, that you can experience the good that God has planned for you, that has been waiting for you all along? That's my challenge for you is this. If you are a believer, to think about what influences who you are. Do you spend time in the Word of God? Do you spend time in earnest prayer seeking for God's Word to come alive in your heart, seeking to experience the fullness of this abundant life that Jesus talks about? And then if you've never had that conversation with Jesus and you've never thought about that before, I want to encourage you to think about where the influence in your life comes from. 
Do you spend your day focusing on social media or political platforms to determine who you are supposed to be and the right course of action that you are supposed to follow? Because if that is where you are being influenced from, I'm going to tell you now that it's only going to lead to heartbreak. It's going to lead to misery and ultimately it's going to lead to death. That you, because of your nature, are already set out on a course that will lead to eternal death. But through Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to experience life in an abundant way. That no matter what's happening around you, you know who's in control. That no matter what is happening physically within your body, you know what the future holds because you know who God's character is and you know that through the work of Jesus Christ, you have been redeemed, you have been reclaimed, and you have been restored to who God, the Creator, has intended you to be. So I want to challenge you today to think about that. Who is influencing you? Where is your faith at? Where is your belief at? And I want to share with you that Jesus Christ has come, and Jesus Christ has come to make the way that you can be united with him and that you can experience the fullness of who God is. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the writings of Paul as he talked about faith, as he talked about a life being rich in your mercy and being filled with your goodness and being united with Jesus Christ in the realms of your heavenly kingdom. And so God, I ask that each person that has heard your word today, whether they are a person that professes to be of faith or whether it is a person that has never once thought about what it means to experience salvation and have faith established in you that pays out abundant life as opposed to nothingness that death brings. God, I ask that you would speak to those hearts, that they would begin to consider where they come from, and why they have been, and God, that they would discover that you created them from before they were even alive on this earth, that you created them, that you destined them to experience your goodness. God, that they would turn away from sin, and they would turn away from their brokenness, and establish for themselves a life that is found in you, a life that is set on the belief of what you did through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, be with us as your people. Help us to be your hands and feet in the light to the world. We pray all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.